Welcome to the Grace Point Assembly of God podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit gphixon.com. Now let's get into a powerful message for your life from God's Word. So uh, thank you for your obedience to um, following the Holy Spirit's leading there. This morning, I, I want to uh, get right into the Word. We started a series last week called No Pain, No Gain. No Pain, No Gain. Um, I, I put up, a, I don't know what you call it, it's, a, it's an equation, I guess, um, that says growth equals change, change equals loss, loss equals pain, and therefore, growth will equal pain. In order for us to grow in our relationship with Christ, there's going to be some pain. It's going to take some pain in our lives. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry this morning, you're not going to have any of my notes or anything up there on the screen. We've been having technical difficulties all morning. The enemy, I believe, has been trying to get me to not be able to preach this message. But we're going to go ahead and do it anyway. Amen? And uh, we're going to push through the pain <laughs> and get the gain. Hallelujah. Uh, but, but in this process, there is, to get growth, there has to be something change. We're ne- you're never going to grow unless you change. And you're never going to change most of the time until there's some kind of loss, until there's some kind of pain that pushes you to make that change, Right? And so we're never going to grow until we have that pain. It, it's, it's just something in us that pushes us forward. Pain pushes us forward. Now, I went over a few things last week, and I just want to touch on them very quickly just as a, a kind of recap from last week. The first statement that I went over last week was, the longer I avoid a problem, the bigger it generally becomes. The longer you avoid a problem, the bigger it becomes. Uh, If I summon the courage to endure small amounts of pain and do what's right early, then I will avoid larger doses of pain later. It's just a fact, folks. It is something that we went through and we saw in Scripture and I pointed out, but I'm not going to go into it in detail today. But the second point was is pain is a part of progress. Pain is a part of progress. Anything that grows experiences some pain. If I avoid all pain, I'm avoiding growth. Now, some of us want to put our heads in the sand. We want to avoid the pain. We don't want to deal with it. uh, That's how many people get into addictions. That's how many people ruin their lives, is by trying to avoid pain. Whereas if we will just face it and deal with it in small amounts, it will be so much better. We've got to face our pain. We've got we to deal with it. We've got to progress because it's part of progression. Often the difference between where I am and where God wants me to be is the pain I'm unwilling to endure. When I'm unwilling to endure the pain, I'm not going to get to where I need to go with God. Because, and we went through the life of Joseph. And if you haven't studied the book uh, in Genesis, the, the life of Joseph... You need to go back and read that. Because you'll see that it took a lot of pain for Joseph to get where God wanted him to be. 
And it was a process. And if Joseph hadn't been willing, if he would have given up at any one of those points when his brothers threw him in the pit and he just said, I'm just going to sit here and die. Or when they sold him into slavery, he says, you know what, I'll just be a slave the rest of my life. Or when he was at Potiphar's house and he was falsely accused and sent to prison, he said, you know what, I'm just, I've, I've been messed up all these other times and God has never been there for me. I'm going to just give up now and I'm going to just be a prisoner the rest of my life. He never would have gotten to the palace. We can't give up in the middle of our pain. It is a process. It is something that is so important. And the last point was, is God is always faithful. This is the thing we got to remember. Even in our pain, God is always faithful. He allows that pain to come into our lives to help us, to progress us forward, to move us forward, to grow us, to make us into what He wants us to be. Now, the normal human response to pain is to do anything except for face it. We want to minimize the problem. We want to excuse it. We want to do, deny it. Whatever it takes to get away from it. But Charles Kingley's statement said this. It says, pain is no evil unless it conquers us. Pain isn't evil. It's not bad. It's not a, it's, it, yeah, at the moment it feels bad. But it's not really bad unless it conquers us unless we give up pain isn't the enemy the inability or willingness to face pain is a greater danger I talked about how when we ignore pain in our lives we develop a voluntary leprosy leprosy is where parts of your body just basically become numb and you can't feel things. I talked about how lepers sometimes they're, they're missing fingers and toes and, and noses and ears or whatever. And it's not because they've rotted off from the disease. It's because they become unfeeling and they hit them against something. They knock them against something. They burn them or do something and they can't feel it. And so many times we will go into a voluntary leprosy where we just get so numb to everything we just don't feel it anymore. God doesn't want us there, folks. That's not where He wants us living. And it's not going to be drugs and alcohol or any other addictions that we can get into that are going to satisfy it. The only thing that will work is getting up and facing our fears, facing our pain, facing those things that have come into our lives. Now, today I, I want to talk to you about the fact that we all face different pain and all face it differently. So many times we want to look at each other and we, we think, well, I just can't believe they're having such a trouble with that, you know, difficulty with that. that that's nothing. Right? Yeah. We, we, we want to judge everybody else's pain and say, I, that's, that's nothing. But boy, when we're in the middle of our pain, it's something, isn't it? Sort of like the, the statement that I make, you know, somebody says, well, it's, it's not a, a, a major surgery, it's okay. Well, let me tell you something. Anytime there's surgery on me, it's a major surgery. If it's on you, it's a minor one. Amen? I mean, because anytime it's happening to me, it's, it's something major going on. 
And that's the way pain is, is that if it's happening to me, it's a major issue. It's a major deal. If it's happening to you, ah, you know, wimp, you can get over that. Right? That's how we think many times. But some will face greater amounts of pain and never fold. Whereas others face what seems like relatively small amounts of pain and give up immediately. The point is that my pain is never going to be the same as your pain. And I will face my pain differently than you do yours. So today I want to look at one of my, my heroes in the Bible to illustrate this fact. So we're going to look at Elijah. Elijah. Now... I'm just going to kind of really talk to you today about this, this guy and, and this situation. Elijah was one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. Do you agree? Yeah. One of the greatest prophets. There are more recorded miracles and strong words from this man than most of the Old Testament prophets. With the exception of maybe Elisha who did almost double what he did. Okay? Now... Elijah, at the end of his ministry, was actually taken up into heaven in a chariot of fire by God. And that was while he was still alive. He was a great man of God who did amazing things for God. But he had to face some pain in his life. Now, I want to I take you through an illustration. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 17 today. First, it may not make sense, but we're going to walk through the story, and then I'll, I, hopefully you'll get what I'm really trying to, to get across here today. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17 through 19. It says, When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, and the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. Now, Elijah had predicted a drought before this. God had told him that there was a drought coming upon the land as a, basically a judgment upon the king and Israel because of their abandoning the Lord. They were going to be in a drought. So Elijah has come to confront these prophets that, uh, that, that Ahab has and he's following after instead of the Lord. Now, Ahab comes up to Elijah and he says, you're the troubler. You're the trouble with Israel right now. It's all your fault, Elijah. You ever been accused of something being your fault that you know isn't your fault? By the king? Hmm. And Elijah here, he rises up and he says, ho, 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 wait a minute. It's not my fault, king. It's your fault. Well, that's pretty bold, isn't it? We know back in those times, you just didn't did do that to the king because you do that to the king and the king says, well, I don't care whose fault it is, your head's coming off. Right? 
But Elijah, in a boldness of the Lord, has predicted the drought, prayed for the drought, lived through the drought, seen miracle after miracle that God performed, comes back and Ahab is looking for him and he says, here I am. And he steps out of the, the shadows and, and Ahab says, it's all your fault. And Elijah says, no, no, it's your fault. And I'm going to show you. And he says, call all of your prophets of Baal together. Bring them all here. Bring all those prophets that you've been following after. I want to show you what the Lord can do. Amen? Man, what a, what a boldness to confront them and to, and to really step out in faith. It takes, a, it takes a strong person to do that, doesn't it? I mean, there's not many people that I know today that would go and, and say to those in government officials and in government places today and say, it's your fault because you've passed laws that... Keep us from serving God the way we should. You've restricted our, our worship. You've, you've done these things, and now it's your fault. Don't look at me. It's your fault that our land is in the condition that it's in. But that's where we are, isn't it? But Elijah is in that, in that place of just boldly proclaiming it. Now look at verse 20 through 24. So Ahab sent all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? Boy, Elijah just really kind of cuts to the quick, doesn't he? Why are you limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Man, he's speaking with some boldness here. He even got him to shut up. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. Whew. Now that, that's, a, that's a pretty bold move, isn't it? I want you to put your bull over here, and my bull's going to be over here, and we're going to put it on the wood, and we're going to call on the name of our gods, and whoever answers with fire is really God. That takes, that takes somebody with some real faith, guts, courage, all those things to stand up and make a proclamation like that. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never seen God bring fire down from heaven and look up an offering before, have you? I don't believe Elijah had either. But he believed God could do it. And he trusted God, and I believe God had given him a specific word to do that. And he had a boldness about him. So then it says, and all the people answered, it is well spoken. So the stage was set and the challenge given. This incredible man of God who stood alone before a king who hated him, 450 false prophets, and a nation that was caught up in limping back and forth, didn't know where to believe, We're all standing there 
together. Now, he had the courage to make this claim about his God with faith and full assurance that he would win the challenge. I don't know about you, but sometimes even when I do have a direct word from the Lord on what to do, I'm hesitant to step out with that kind of boldness. It's difficult. But he didn't care about being made to look like a fool if God didn't answer with fire. He wasn't concerned about his life or really anything else. He was willing to endure whatever pain might come his way from this challenge. Or at least, that's what he thought. Now in the next verses, Elijah has the prophets of Baal prepare their sacrifice first and call on their God. Now of course, their God did not answer because their God's not real. And Elijah even mocked them, telling them to shout louder. Maybe he's hard of hearing or something, you know? He said, maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he went to the bathroom. Maybe he's taking a nap. I mean, Elijah was really putting it to him, wasn't he? Pretty bold move. Once again, but he knew that their God would never be able to answer no matter what they did. Then it was his turn. And he had them start by pouring water over his sacrifice. Now, <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm standing there, I'm bold, I'm, 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 you know, but man, he is just putting it to them. He's saying, look, I want you to understand this isn't a magic trick. This isn't something I'm going to do. I'm not going to somehow got an igniter underneath of there and I'm going to press the switch and it's going to light up. You know, I, he wanted to make sure that they understood that this was supernatural and not natural. So he has them put water on there and he put water on there again and put water on there until finally the, the trench that they had put around the altar was full of water and the thing was soaking wet. Now, you can't light wet wood. It just doesn't work. I've tried it before. All you get is smoke. That's all you get. Because that water is just smoking away. That's, that's all you can get out of that. Because he wanted to make sure that they understood that the Lord God Almighty was his God. And there was no other. Now, then he just called on the name of the Lord. It doesn't say that he got up and he had to, to beat his breast. He didn't have to cut himself like the other guys did. He didn't have to, to cry and moan and, Oh, God, please come and help me. I believe he got up and he said, God, you've seen the sacrifice that I have prepared for you. You see these people and they need to know that you're God. Come and answer. I mean, it could have been that simple of a prayer. He called on the name of the Lord, and the Lord answered with a fire that not only burned up the sacrifice, but the water, the wood, the stones, and even the dust and dirt that was under the altar. 
The fire consumed it all. Now, I have never seen a rock burn. I don't even know that the dust can burn, but somehow God came down with fire and licked it all up and it was gone. Wow. God left nothing, nothing to doubt, nothing to allow them to say, this isn't true. Now when all this happened, Elijah then told all the people to seize the prophets of Baal. And they took them and they slaughtered them all. As you'll see at the very end of the chapter there. Now after this, Elijah went up on the mountain top and he prayed for the rain to come. So he's gone through this whole big showing of, of God's great power with this sacrifice and and, show, and he, he kills all the prophets of Baal. And the people are going, yeah, well, this is great. And Elijah, he goes up on the mountain, and he prays for rain. And at first, there's nothing. He prays again, sends his servant out. The servant doesn't see anything. Prays again, he sees maybe a little bit of something. Prays again, and he said, there's a cloud on the horizon. Elijah kept praying until finally God answered with the rain. So after several times, the, the rain came and it drenched the land. Now this was an, another incredible miracle because it hadn't rained in like three and a half years. Not a drop. We wouldn't understand that this summer. Man, we have had more rain this summer than I ever remember during the summer. But I mean, I can remember some summers going through and going, man, I wish it would rain. The grass is all dead and the ground is hard and there's, there's nothing growing. Can you imagine three and a half years of no rain? The ground is cracked and, and broken and, and there's nothing growing. But here comes the rain. Drenches the place after Elijah prayed. And he told them that he was going to pray and the rain would come. So they know that he is a man of God, that he has performed many miracles. But this is where the story takes an unusual twist that I really want you to see today. Elijah had predicted and then prayed for the drought in the land as the judgment upon the nation of Israel for their unfaithfulness to God. He had faced the king, the false prophets, and the entire nation with an unshakable faith and power. Then he prayed again and the rain came again. And, but then we read this in chapter 19, verses 1 through 3. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. And verse 3 says, Then he was afraid. And he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Now, 
Elijah could face all these other situations that to me would have been very difficult. Very challenging for my faith to stand up and, and to believe God to bring fire and, and lick up an offering and, and all these other things that happened and praying for the rain and saying, I'm going to pray and it's going to rain. He had all this faith. But then a woman threatens him and he runs for his life. Think about that. A woman says, I'm going to kill you. And he goes, oh no. And starts running. It wasn't an army. It wasn't the king. It wasn't a strong, mighty warrior. It was a woman. Now, I'm not downplaying women, okay? I know you guys can fight and hurt people too, okay? I'm, I'm just saying... To me, it's like, what? What are you talking about? I, I just don't understand this. For years, I, I looked at this story and I thought, what a wimp. What a wimp. I mean, here he does all these great things for God, and then he's going to let a woman just threaten him with his life, and he's going to run for his life? What is wrong with him? I just don't, I couldn't comprehend it. It, it doesn't make any sense to me, does it to you? I mean, it, it's like, how can you do all this? And then somebody just says, I'm going to kill you. Like, oh, gosh, don't, don't let her kill me. That's what I see him doing. I, I, I would say to myself, I, you know, I never would have run from Jezebel. After all that I had been through with God doing all this with the sacrifices and bringing the rain and all this stuff, I would have told her, come on, bring it on, girl. Right? I mean, that's what I think I would have done. But my pain isn't his pain. I'm a very strong and determined guy who doesn't let a lot of things really affect him. Most of you probably see me. I'm pretty, pretty steady. I can get riled a little bit now and then, you know. That, that is one of my weaknesses. But you know what? God, God loves me, helps me with that. But for the most part, things are just pretty steady, you know. Things come in life and we just keep moving right on through. there was a certain situation just recently that arose that sent me reeling for the first time. I'm not going to share with you the details of what it was, but it was just something that was my Jezebel moment. It wasn't anything that you would look at and go, well, that's nothing. What is that? What what, why are you reeling from that? But it caused me to take a few steps back. And I'm like, what in the world is this? Now, I have faced criticisms that would have put many people to flight. I've had experienced, I've experienced tremendous loss. 
that others would have buckled under. I've been betrayed, falsely accused, lied about, and it never, never got me off track. All of a sudden, I had a situation hit me that, in hindsight, I'm telling you, was really nothing. But for some reason, it hit me hard, and I was literally ready to give up ministry altogether. I was questioning, am I really doing what God wants me to do? Am I really being effective? Is there, is there really any point to what I'm doing? Is there anything that I need? I, what am I doing here? I mean, I, I couldn't understand it. It, it. it threw me off. And I questioned the call of God on my life. And I, I began to fall into a deep depression that most of you probably didn't even know. I don't even know that my wife really knew all about it. But it was real to me, and I didn't know what to do. I don't know about you. Have you ever had those situations that you've fallen into where, man, it just seems like the smallest little thing just hits you and all of a sudden you just don't even know how to deal with it. You don't know what to do. I had never had this happen to me before. Oh, I, I pressed on preaching, praying, reading, doing all the things that I knew to do but I was still overwhelmed by this situation that really had a grip on me. Now I, now, I tell you this, not so that you can feel sorry for me. Amen? Or that you can go out and tell all your friends about. Okay? That, it's just us. I'm sharing because I want you to see that all of us are vulnerable to pain that can come into our lives and affect us in ways that we never thought possible. And I tell you this to say, I, I now have a newfound appreciation for the pain that Elijah faced. I now can understand when people come in and say, I just, I've gotten in this depression, I just don't know what to do. And I can say, you know what, I've been there. I, I know. I know it's real. I, I, you know, before I thought, ah, it's just all made up. They're just a bunch of wimps. I mean, that's how I thought. But when I, you go through it and you see it and, it and it happens to you, man, it's just like, it's real. I look at this story with compassion for a guy who was doing the work of the Lord and following after him with all of his heart and experienced a personal pain that he didn't know how to face. And all of us are going to have those times. It's going to be different for you than it was for me. It's going to be different for me than it was for Elijah. It's going to be different in your life. But it's going to come. And we as the body of Christ don't need to look at one another and judge one another. We need to pray for one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to lift up one another. We need to be able to say, you know what? I don't understand the pain you're going through. I don't understand why you're so upset over this. But I'm going to pray with you until you get through this. 
And to be able to stand there with our friends and our, our brothers and sisters in Christ and be able to stand with them and not put them down and not look at them in a, in a different light. My heart is broken in this world today because there are so many that are facing pain and they don't know how to deal with it. The story just recently of a, of a mega church pastor, a young man who committed suicide. I, I can't even fathom that this guy had, had been so isolated, so hurt, and so much pain, and he had one of these situations that overcame him to the point he didn't even have anybody to go to and talk to. He ended up committing suicide. Folks, this stuff is real. It's real. What affects me in an adverse way may just slide right over you. But something I think is very trivial could knock you to the ground. Pain affects us all differently and will come in different degrees. And I'll, I'll talk more about this next week, of, of more of the, the depth of degree that some have to face. And my, my hero of the New Testament, Paul, is the one who faced a lot of pain. But God didn't give up on Elijah. And that's what I want you to hear today. If you're in the middle of that place of pain where it's hitting you and you're reeling and you don't know where to turn and you don't know what to do and you're, you're just, you're at that point of you just, I don't know. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. But God, I feel it. I'm feeling that pain. I want you to know God's not giving up on you. He's not left you in that pain, and He's not going to leave you there. He's right there in the middle of it with you. He didn't say to Elijah, oh, come on, Elijah. Are you going to listen to the ramblings of some crazy woman, or are you going to follow me? I mean, I'm sure God is like, man, look, I just took you through all this stuff. I, I sent fire from heaven and licked up the offering. Remember that, Elijah? Come on. I brought rain when you asked me to. And now you're getting all upset over this lady talking to you? That's not how God reacts. What God did do is take Elijah through a process of speaking to him in a loving and compassionate way that brought him to a place where he could use him again. That's how God works with us. God took him to a cave. And he showed him the fire and the wind and the whirlwind and the storm and all these things, and God wasn't in those things, but then he spoke to him in a still, small voice. And it changed Elijah's life from that day forward. God loves us right in the middle of our pain. We don't have to be ashamed of our pain. We don't have to feel guilty for having pain. We don't feel have to be, oh, I'm less of a Christian, or I'm less of I'm less because I'm in this pain. I I, I shouldn't be here. 
God knows right where you are. And he's right there with you. And God helped him through this pain. Just as he will help you through your pain. And as he helped and continues to help me through mine. I mean, I'm not completely over it, but I'm, I'm almost there. But it's because he's been with me and helped me and spoken to me and, and encouraged me. Yeah, I stayed in the Word. I stayed in prayer. I stayed in preaching. I stayed in the ministry. I stayed in all those things. And sometimes it just takes a steadfastness to just stay in there. And then He'll just help you through. And He'll bring you out on the other side. Just remember, growth equals pain. So on the other side of this thing, I'm going to be a much bigger man. Not physically, but hopefully. But he will have grown me spiritually. And grown me to a place where I'm no longer judgmental of those that come to me with that pain. And they go, man, I can't believe they're in this. I would never say that to you, but in my mind I'm sitting there going, what in the world? Why are they upset over this thing? I've heard some crazy stuff. Trust me, as a pastor, you hear a lot of stuff. Now I sit there with a newfound compassion and say, you know what? I understand. I understand that God's right there with you. And we know that God is with him and, and took him through this, and he was victorious for a couple of reasons. One is because Elijah was one of the two men who met with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He didn't give up on him in his pain, did he? You see, in Mark 9, 4, it says, And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. God never gave up on him. He brought him through the pain. He brought him through that situation, that thing that reeled him and rocked his world. God was right there with him and brought him through. second thing is, is even John the Baptist is compared by Jesus as Elijah. And John, I mean in Mark 9, down further in verses 11 through 13, it says, And they asked him, Why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come. And they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. God used Elijah even in the middle of his crisis of pain. He never gave up on him, and he gave him a place of honor. Listen, we're all going to face pain. But we can't let that pain make us lose out with God. Let that pain push you toward God, not away from Him. Don't look to the addictions, the drugs, the alcohol, the sex, whatever it may be. Don't look to those things. Look to Him. It doesn't mean that instantaneously you're going to be brought out of it. But if you keep your eyes focused on Him, He'll bring you through the pain. 
We must hold on to the Lord in the middle of our pain and know that this too will pass. This too will pass. If it doesn't pass in this life, when I get to the next, it'll be over. Because when I get to see Him, there will be no more pain. There will be no more crying. There will be no more suffering. None of that stuff will matter anymore. So I can endure this pain because He is with me. And I know that ultimately I will receive relief from my pain when I see Him. Joshua, if you'll go ahead and come on up this morning. When you're in the middle of it, it seems that it will never let up. But trust me, if you'll hold on to the healer, he's on his way to make it better, to heal the pain, to restore you to the strength that you need in your life. This morning, I, I'm, I'm going to open up these altars. I'm going to have you come because I, I feel like there may be some of you that are dealing with some pain that you really need prayer, that God help you through this, to help you to get past that, to get, get through the pain. Some of you have been ready to give up. Some of you have been ready to say, you know what, it's not worth it anymore. I'm done. I'm done. And I want you to know I've been there been there I've been at that place and it's not it's been just in the last months folks if God would have let me I would have said you know what you can have this I'm done I don't need it I don't, I don't need to be up here on Sunday morning I don't need to be up in front of people I, my personality is, is I don't like being up in front of people I'm the kind of guy at a party that will be sitting on the couch with his plate of food and not talking to anybody. That's me. But I do it because God's called me to do it. I'm here because He's called me and He's set me in this place and He's given me a message to share with others and to help them through their difficulties. But I don't want you to look at me and think, oh, He's got it all together. Nothing ever affects Him. Nothing ever happens in His life. Let me tell you, I can tell you stories. But you'll go, what? You had to go through what? They did what? Why didn't you give up? It's all because of Him. It's only because of Him. If you'll just hang on to Him, if you'll just turn that pain over to Him and say, God, I can't handle it on my own. I need you in this. I need you in this situation. I need you in my pain. Help me, Lord. He'll go with you through it and bring you out the other side victorious every time. Every time. Let's all stand this morning. I'm going to ask my ministry leaders to come to the front. I'm going to just pray a prayer that I'm going to ask you to come. If you're here this morning and you, you're dealing with pain, you're dealing with something in your life that you know what, you just, you just can't seem to, to, to get over, you can't seem to get past it, there's, there's something that's happening that maybe just rocked your world and it doesn't make any sense, 
to you or anybody else around you. Trust me, God knows. He wants to bring you through your pain today. Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that everyone in this place that is going through a painful situation that seems overwhelming in their life, that God, that today they will run to you. God, they won't walk. They won't just kind of maybe ease toward, but Lord, they will run towards you and say, oh God, help me. Help me in this situation. I'm having difficulty. I don't know why my mind went this way. I don't know why I'm thinking this way. But God, I know you have the answer for me. And I'm going to hold on to you as you bring me through. Lord, I just ask you to bring those that need prayer today. And just let's just come forward and pray and, and receive prayer for those, those of you who just need that, that extra encouragement today. I want you to make your way to these front altars right now. Get with somebody. Let's pray with them right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
we close today, just a couple of things that I want you to think about and remember. Elijah was not less than because he ran from Jezebel. He's a human being just like the rest of us. Yeah, he was anointed, a powerful prophet of God, full of the Spirit of God and doing great things. Sometimes in the middle of that, we can get hit, blindsided. The second thing is this. Find somebody that you can trust. If you're in the middle of that painful situation, find somebody you can trust. Share it with them and ask them to pray for you. The thing the enemy would want us to do when we're in the middle of our pain is to hide it in darkness. It's to not tell anybody else what we're going through. We're afraid. He makes us afraid to, to tell somebody, oh, they're going to think I'm less than. You know what? If they do, go to somebody else because that's not the right person you should have shared it with. Find somebody you can trust that you can share it with and they're going to say, you know what? I'm going to pray with you. I'm, we're going to pray until we, you get through this. And they're going to stand with you. We all need that. When we bring it to the light, God can deal with it. When we keep it in darkness, we're fighting a battle all on our own against a, a formidable foe who can take us out if we're not careful. Bring it to the light. Let somebody know. Share it with somebody. Find somebody to pray with. If you see somebody that you know is going through something or you can just tell there's something they're facing in their life, go to them and say, hey, can I pray with you? I don't know what you're facing. You don't even have to tell me, but can I pray with you? Let's be the body of Christ. If one part of the body is hurting, the whole body hurts. So let's go and pray for one another and care for one another and get involved with one another. That's what I love about our small groups is because that's the place where you can go and be, feel comfortable and share those kinds of things and know that you've got a group of people that will pray with you. Let's just go and be the body of Christ, whether it's in our workplace or whether it's here in this church. There may be somebody that you know at work that's going through something. Somebody at school that you're, you know, you see them and they're depressed and you can tell. Don't just walk on by. Say, can I pray with you? There's something I can help you with. God wants to bring us through our pain. And through that, bring growth. And he wants to help them grow and you grow and all of us grow when we get through the pain. Father, I just thank you so much for this word today. I pray that you would just help us, Lord God, in the midst of our pain. When we're in those times of depression, when we're in those times of, of just not knowing where to go or what to do, Lord, that we will turn to you and look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord God, you're not going to leave us there. You're going to finish it. You're going to bring us through. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to always look to you and then look for others that we can help to walk through their pain as well. Now, Lord, I just ask your blessing upon your people today as they leave this place. God, let them go in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Hope you enjoyed the service and we'll come back and, and just uh, worship with us. Get involved in small groups or next steps is uh, right after the service. If you're new to our fellowship and want to go through that, we'd love to have you go through next steps. for listening. We hope you'll tune in next week for another great sermon from Grace Point Assembly of God.